Hey, what's up guys? This is Matt Schneider, former SWAT operator, a US Marshall Task Force guy, husband of 17 years, father of an amazing 14-year-old son, and eight-figure multiple serial entrepreneur. Um, you are watching the Blueprint Burnt Down podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Burn Down Podcast. Today's guest, he was in law enforcement. He was a part of the SWAT team. He was our narcotics detective. He was the U.S. Marshal. And then he said, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. That man is Matt Schneider. What's going on, brother? What's up, fellas? Thank you so much for having me. Hey. Thanks for the, uh, the cigar as well. We want it, you know, we've been doing it more and more recently. We like our, our guests to have our cigar while we're talking to them so we can understand what they like, if they like it, if they don't like it. So we know we sent you two. You already smoked yep. one, rightfully yep. so, and you saved this one. Naturally. Yeah, yeah, naturally. Yeah, the first one didn't last more than, it, it, I mean, probably got it by about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 4, 4.30 tops. I was sitting in the backyard enjoying it. Love it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Love it's a great, it. It's a great stick. Yeah. That's fantastic. Again. Well, Matt, thank you so much, first and foremost, for joining us on the Burnout Podcast. We know that you have quite a busy schedule, I can imagine. I mean, looking at you know your your track record here, I mean. What the heck's an eight-figure entrepreneur? I mean, I an eight-figure entrepreneur, <laughs> I, can, I can't imagine what your schedule must be like. Uh, so we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to sit here with us on the Burndown. Yeah, man. It's a pleasure. I, I, I uh I'm really happy to be here. And the in the background behind us getting connected with Matt was our our good friend Ray Cashcare, previous uh, two time burn down podcast. Two times. He uh, in our second interview, he's like, "Yeah, my friend Matt Schneider, you got to get him on." And then quickly, so we said, "Hey, hook us up." Bada bing, bada boom, and uh, here we are. So shout out to Ray Cashcare for uh, putting us in touch yeah, with Matt Schneider. Ray. Yes, very good. I talked to Ray earlier today. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, he and I got a cool cool thing in the works that we may. Uh, chat about it a little bit later on if the conversation goes that direction. But Ray is, um, he's an incredible human. It doesn't surprise me that it took two episodes. The guy's got such a big, you know, uh, personality. It would take at least two episodes oh, to yeah. get, uh, you know, a, a good portion of what Ray Cashcare brings to the table. And he grew a lot. And he grew a lot between the first time we spoke to him, which was like November 2020 or 2021, one of those years. And then we just spoke to him, you know, this year, I think back in what like April or May of 23 yeah. and you know he grew he grew out of what he was doing he's a you know he's a, mm. a business owner now he's he's starting all yeah. different types of coaching and um yeah. public speaking uh, ventures so good for him I'm really yeah. proud yeah. to see him yeah yeah he's it is cool i met ray when he was still uh with the agency and um because he uh, he and i and a few others were the co-founders of the project and so um you know when I met Ray, his skill set was very focused and very particular in an area that didn't really have much place in civilian life, right? And uh, um, but he's a smart dude, and he is he is hungry. And you know, as you can imagine, being a SEAL, like losing or anything close to losing is not an option. Oh yeah. So you know, he just started um, hanging around the right people, paying attention. The dude is a student of learning. I will say that about Ray too. Is is when it, you talk about people who've got a CEO mindset and a white belt mentality, Ray Cash Care is one. He does not let the fact that he's been a steal and done a lot of things get in the way of uh, being a student. Yeah, he um, 
He makes you want to run, run through a brick wall. I'll tell you Easy. that. After our first conversation, you know, we're just sitting here trying to be, you know, like sponges and just absorb all of the the knowledge and 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 try to capture those golden nuggets. And at the end of it, I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, I I want to. I want to get in the ring right now. I'm yeah. just, that first, <laughs> yeah. that first, just fired up right now. The first time I we yeah. uh, you know I got introduced to him from my buddy. He was we were watching the, he was watching the show The Selection back in uh, when mm-hmm. I was on the History Channel back in the day. Take a picture for Ray. Go ahead. I'm just taking one for for Ray right here. Yes, sir. What up, Ray? Ray. And uh, my buddy was like, "Yeah, we got to put the show on The Selection." Yada yada yada. And I was like, "Oh, this is a cool show." And then a few weeks later, he's like, hey, that guy, Ray Cash Carey, I follow him on Instagram. Like, he walked into the office, and he's like, I'm like, who are you listening to, like, yelling at 8 o'clock in the morning? He's like, oh, I'm watching the guy, Ray Cash Carey, on his Instagram <laughs> Live uh, for the guy That's from the cool. selection. He's a cigar mm-hmm. guy. And then one thing led to another, and he's like, yeah, oh, come on. So uh, that was that. Yeah. Ray, so, Ray's so cool. He, uh, not to make this about Ray, but you know, he'll, like, you know, he'll get off on the fact that, Ray, we love you, dude. That's why we're spending the first 25 minutes talking about you, but speaking <laughs> about Ray, uh, Ray and cigars during the project, you know, there's a point where these dudes crawl through the pit for hours, hours and hours in the pit. When I tell you the pit is, is dirt, it's rock. It's not fun. Um, and, you know, I look over one time and there's Ray just yelling at me. I'm like, what's he yelling at? And he's yelling at me with a cigar in his mouth. And he's like, he's just handling business, man. It was, it was the coolest thing to see. There's there's Ray just giving all of his focused energy on a guy, but also casually smoking a cigar at the same time. It was it was really impressive to watch. I'm like that, that dude's my hero. Yeah, <laughs> I would love like, to see a video of that. Out of nowhere. That's badass. Yeah, dude. yeah that's, that's great. Badass, that's badass man. And we're uh, so you got a nice uh, ambiance going on behind you. Where are you? So live in Idaho, little suburb called Eagle. Okay. And um, yeah, it's a gorgeous neighborhood that we're in. There's fishing ponds all throughout we got like 26 fishing ponds are you from like idaho originally yeah yeah okay. so grew up in eastern idaho uh, idaho falls my wife she's from middleton so uh, in this area let's let's take it all the way back okay because there's a lot to unpack here i mean going from like you said you were in swat narcotics u.s marshal decided to leave all mm-hmm. of that and, and become an entrepreneur and now you've got this eight-figure business that you know mm-hmm. is can just continuing to grow so yep. let's let's go all the way back. So so who is Matt Schneider, right? How did you tell us about your your early childhood? How did you get into you know the the the, the SWAT team, the narcotics? How did you get into protecting the people, U.S. Marshal? <laughs> you know, let's let's take it all the way back. All right, I'll I'll hit the main points. I'm 41. I'll be 42 this month. So um, that's that's uh, uh, a lot of lifespan there. The, the highlights are this: I grew up first three years. Uh, my mom was married to my biological father, where he was a raging alcoholic, wife-beating drunk. She took her last beating when I was three. She was pregnant with my little brother. He was seven months uh, in her stomach. And then my older brother was six years uh, older than I was, so he was nine. Um, he, he beat the shit out of her. He passed out. She scooped up what she could grab in her arms, threw it in the car. We lived in San Francisco Bay Area at the time, and my grandmother lived in Southern California. So we drove drove that way. My grandmother didn't have a place for us to go. Uh, my mom somehow, you know, she got scrappy when her back is against the wall. Sometimes that's when we perform at our best. And um, she was going to figure it out. That's what moms do. We found ourselves living in a little houseboat. And when I say houseboat, it like, it's one of those boats where like you, you can kind of go below deck mm-hmm. and like there's a little living quarter in there. So there was the, the uh, three and a half of us that lived in there. I don't know how long we were there for. There are some pictures, um, 
of uh, me getting out, you know, it's just a little tyke. And I do recall this though, I recall my mom and, and my father meeting up at a target. Uh, he brought, he brought some candy for my brother and I, and, um, and I didn't realize this until later on, but the conversation they were having was my, my father, uh, telling my mom that if she agreed not to, uh, uh, uh charge child support, he would write off all rights to his boys. And she, you know, she took that deal and, um, and I, you know, I didn't hear from that, that guy for a long, long time, mm-hmm. um, and many years, uh, so that was my, my early childhood was, was such that my mom just, she did not pick right men, uh, you know, men that were, um, had any kind of moral compass. In fact, they defaulted to either the bottle or some sort of drug. So there are a lot of men coming and going. Uh, she ended up marrying a lot of guys. She's currently on her ninth, uh, divorce as we speak. Wow. Um, she did start to pick better guys <clears throat> as time went on, but. You know, I grew up in an environment where I was constantly restarting, constantly, uh, you know, having to, to pick up and move, uh, you know, add friends, meet new friends, leave friends. But later on, that served me really well in my thought because of, of uh, the personality that I developed, I think, as a result. Um, so you kind of fast forward, grew up in, in Idaho. We moved to Idaho and she married her, uh, I want to say fifth maybe six, the guy that she married twice and divorced twice. <laughs> That's the guy that brought us to Idaho. Yeah. Interesting. yeah. Okay. So we uh, moved to Idaho. Uh, great state. Don't move here. If you're not already here, the word got out how amazing Idaho is. Now people are flooding in. So just stop. <laughs> really? Um, Don't move yeah, here. So if it's, you're not from here, states, huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah, if you're not from here, stop. Just stop. No, it's gorgeous. People come, they see it and they, and they put an offer on a house. Um, I, my, the, I was very ill prepared for life though, fellas, as, as you can probably imagine, you know, the, the revolving door of men, my mom's focus was in two different places. Uh, first place was in the relationship that were either starting or dissolving. And the other was my little sister, because there ended up being five of us siblings. Uh, my little sister, she ended up being severely, uh, mentally handicapped because her, the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck during birth. Mm-hmm. So she was deprived of oxygen for a period of time where she was, um, uh, um, like mentally disabled. And so my mom's attention went to her phenomenal mom in regards to always making sure that her kids had what they needed and her full mission in life became really taking care of my little sister. Um, I go to college to, to see if I can, uh, if law enforcement's my thing. So in Idaho university, there's a, uh, uh law enforcement program and the program want to see if I would enjoy it. And just to give you guys a sense of how ill prepared I was for, um, for life and, uh, and just how, how, uh, how long I've come or, or how uh, far I've come. I started college two, two weeks or so into college, get a call from the registrar's office and says, Hey, so you're enrolled in classes. Uh, we love that. How do you plan on paying for it? And I'm all, I, I kind of pause. I'm like, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, so you're telling me there's a cop to come to school here? And like she had to been thinking I was joking, right? So she was just as surprised with by my answer as I was by the question and the call itself. So I run down, get an emergency student loan, uh, end up paying, you know, paying the tuition by uh, by student loans, and then end up graduating that program. It was nine month program, 
so I got certified in law enforcement. That's what kind of took me down that path, continue my education, degree in psychology. And then I was hired with the Ada County Sheriff's Office in Idaho in 2006 and just did a variety of roles um, over the course of 10 years before I became an entrepreneur. Wow. So, so did you just kind of pick law enforcement just out of a whim, say, hey, I'm going to try this? Or was there something that you saw that, that kind of drew you into law enforcement? <laughs> so it's a, that's a stupid story. We love stupid stupid stories. Come on, stupid story. So I'm a bag boy at Albertsons, right? And I'm in high school, getting ready to graduate, and I'm bagging groceries as one of my first jobs, and I'm dating the bakery girl Nicole. And uh, the spark just wasn't there between Nicole and I. You know, we just we the the fireworks weren't uh, weren't there. But Lincoln, the checker, he's like, hey, what's up with Nicole? Said, well, you know, nothing. There's nothing coming up. It. He's like, well, would you do an intro? Said, sure, of course. So I introduced my girlfriend to another guy, and uh, <laughs> they, they end up getting married. No, and, uh, yeah, they end up getting married, and he becomes a cop. And so I guess it's like a thank you for introducing him to his wife. You know, my my girlfriend becoming his wife. Um, he took me on a ride along, and you know, nothing happened. But I was sitting in his car. And I'm like, dude, this is pretty fucking cool, man. Like, this is like, there's a lot of buttons and switches and stuff in here. That uniform looks cool. You guys got to remember, like, I didn't have a, I, I never had a, like, a steady father figure that, that was, that was really right. there to raise us sure. boys and teach us how to be men, right? So I'm sitting across this guy. I'm like, man, this is, like, this is kind of what an, I guess an alpha feels like and, and like what, like a, like a dominating presence in the community feels like. And, um, but also nothing happened to where he, he needed to do anything other than just he, he represented this this um, this person that would stand in the way of evil. And I was like, I there's a lot of people out there that need protecting because my siblings and I, you know, we took some beatings early on in life. And I remember distinctly watching my older brother take some beatings by uh, the guy my mom uh, married after my dad. And he never hit me for whatever reason, but my older brother, he did. And so... That just, I was like, dude, that, that this might be something I want to do. So that just sparked the interest, which then led to going to college and checking it out. And I ended up like, I like, I like this ability to stand and, uh, and be that, that force for good and mm. take out evil. So, so the, the, the lack of a steady protector in your early childhood led you to become the protector of others later on in life. That's what, yeah, that's what drew me to it. Once I started to understand the profession, I wasn't one that grew up, up like wanting to be a cop. I, I knew nothing about, I knew nothing about anything. I mean, like I didn't, I didn't know college cost money. Yeah. Right? You and just so, saw the buttons. You're um, like, I want to push these yeah. buttons on a daily basis. I want to push the buttons. Yeah. Like <laughs> this, this looks cool. And so asking him questions and understanding more about the profession and stuff and, and the why behind it. And I was like, yeah, that, that, that seems cool. And it was a great fit for me. I really did enjoy that time that I spent the 10 years in law enforcement. So, so then, so tell us about, so now you get into law enforcement, right? And obviously you didn't just jump right into SWAT. You didn't just jump into yep. narcotics, right? So what led you down these different paths in law enforcement? So I, um, I started off in the jail, spent about a year as a detention deputy, which is not where I wanted to, to start, but um, that's where they needed the help. And I, and I look back at it now and, and you know, why I wanted to go straight to patrol because that's, you know, every episode of cops you watch, you don't, 
They don't spend more than 10 seconds in the jail, right? They're out there running around and doing stuff. <laughs> but as I look back at it now, you know, I, I didn't have much interaction with the, the criminal element and I didn't understand the criminal mindset. And, um, and the jail is a place where it's in a controlled environment where tons of shit happens, but you've always got backup like right there. And things can't get too out of control, especially in a, in a jail. A jail is very different than the prison because in the jail, they're going through the legal process still. Like they're, they, they just haven't been able to bond out for whatever reason, but they still got to go to court and, and stand in front of a judge. So they're generally on their best behavior uh, most of the time. Um, in prison, that's a different story once they're sentenced to life, whatever. Now, like they're playing by different rules. So, but there were plenty of fights. There was plenty of opportunities for like physical confrontation, verbal de-escalation, all that stuff, and um, and to cut my teeth in the criminal element. So, just after a year, I went to patrol, and um, I spent a, a, a few years doing that. Uh, really enjoyed that. But what what I found, I really really enjoyed was like the dynamic shit, like the like the things when they started going sideways and there was like big problems. Um, not only was it just like a big adrenaline rush. Uh, but it was this sense of being able to really make a big difference on a bigger scale to help people. If there was, you know, people being held against their will or, 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 you know, people, you know, run around with guns. And, um, and I, I, I noticed that I was able to perform at a higher level than a lot of the others that would start to lose their cool or lose their, their, their ability to, um, calculate things quickly. And, um, I started to, tie that into how I grew up, you know, because of the fact that I was always doing these, these, um, start, stop resets and always knowing that things would always shake out, that always work out. Um, and I was always introduced to new involving uncertain dynamics that I, that I was always able to navigate through. I applied that to law enforcement. I applied that to the, the, uh, the critical incident world where I was able to just keep a cool head and nothing really was able to get me overly excited. It's when people get overly excited law enforcement or others that get overexcited that they start operating off of emotion mm. and that's where shit goes sideways quick. Sure. And, um, and so, you know, after a few years I tried out for SWAT and, uh, I made that, um, and I spent five years as an entry operator, uh, on the SWAT team. And so it was one of the, one of the initial guys to make entry into, um, into the space after the breach. And, um, I loved the shit out of that. It was involved in a lot of different things with that. Um, and you know it's the front row seat to literally the craziest show on earth. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, now what? Now what does uh, what does SWAT stand for again? Special weapons and tactics. Special weapons and tactics. Oh, so so when yeah, you know, I, I never I knew it stood for something. Yeah, but yeah. So when when shit hits the fan, you're you're the like somebody's robbing a bank and holding up the bank hostage. You got the shield ready to run. You're the guys that go in. Yeah, basically when the when the when the it's. SWAT is who the police call when they need help. Uh-huh. That's what we tell them. Like so when the police you're the, need you're help, the backup they call for, yeah, SWAT. you're the help for the police. Now that's <laughs> yeah. a badass. That's a badass. We're nine one one for nine one one. Yeah, there you that's go. Funny. 9-1-1 that's funny. Nine one one for nine one one. That sounds yeah. like a, like a commercial. Like you know, if you want to join mm-hmm. the SWAT, yeah. we're we're the we're the nine one one that the cops call. So is that is that movie <laughs> yeah. uh, is that movie SWAT with like LL Cool J and uh, Morgan Freeman? Is oh, that, spot on. Yeah, is it spot on? Oh, spot on. Is it no? It's nothing close. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Wow. I mean, usually people like. That's all fake shit. That's not even it's fucking close. Fake. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, is okay. So is there? I can't watch that stuff. <laughs> is there? Is there a movie that is pretty accurate that you know uh, of? No, not that I, not that I know of. I mean, there's, there, dude. There's so, 
they're they're generally so far away from from anything legit that you know they generally don't have actual operators that play those roles right. and um and so no i don't i i don't i can't think of a i can't think of an instance where in fact of of the only time i've heard that a movie people got it really close to being right in a movie was in zero dark 30. okay okay um, I, you know, but those guys, I think those guys were actual operators. Yes. But if, if I was told correctly, you know, everything from like the timing to the, um, uh, you know, the actual, the, the tactics look super clean, super legit. And so I think they actually had operators come in. and. So how did you that, like but... going from SWAT in your face, like high intensity to more of a, uh, uh, a drug narcotics detective? Because that's a little more like, you know, a little more play a little more cognitive thinking a little more laid back in a sense you know so how was that transition i did both actually oh so oh, shit. yeah okay. yeah he busted so down most... the doors and sniffed out the drugs yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah that was what was cool is both on on for narcs and when i did the u.s martial task force um if there was warrants that got written or you know something kicked off because either one of those roles i got to immediately transition into the SWAT role mm. which was a very common you know instance so, um, but yeah, few teams around the country, SWAT teams are full-time dedicated teams, uh, big cities like LAPD and, uh, you know, like Chicago and some of these real big problematic areas, they have full-time 24 hour SWAT teams. The vast majority of the country have, uh, like teams that are just always on standby. They're always yeah. on, uh, on yeah, call. You know what? Now that you say that, I have a cousin who met Sean. He, uh, he's a state trooper up in Connecticut, but he's also part of the SWAT team. So sometimes yeah. when we'll be up there. You know, we'll be hanging out and it'll be like 11 o'clock. He's like, all right, I got to go to work. But then he's not in his state trimmer uniform. He's like in a decked out, like, he's like, yeah, yeah I got to deal with some shit right now. I was like, all right, be safe, brother. Yeah, safe. right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's when the, the, the feel good uh, chemicals start to flow through, you know, yeah, and it's just go down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so what, I, did, I did both. What's like, what's like, what's going through your head? Like, what's the mentality? Like, you're in a, you know, you're like in a trap house or something and there's, you know, there's dudes that behind there with guns or stuff like what do you, what's going through your mind? How do you get the uh, the courage to bulldoze that door and just pray for the best? Yeah, because I imagine, I mean, you can't not be scared, right? Like, I imagine you're you're scared. It's it's a fearful situation. So, yeah. how do you, what's going through your mind at that point? Yeah, man. I mean, you like fear is what keeps us alive. If you know, it, if somebody tells you that they're not afraid or they don't feel a sense of fear, they're they're either like a sociopath or they're fucking lying. <laughs> Um, because you do not know what's going to happen once you breach that door. And, um, and, you know, we always work for the element of surprise, but, you know, we don't always get it. So, um, you know, there was, there was definitely a handful of instances where, where things got real hairy real quick and, um, and definitely didn't go to plans. Like Mike Tyson says, you know, your plan is only as good to get punched in the nose and you yeah. got punched in the nose more than a few times. And, um, you just kind of, you adapt, right? So, uh, when, when you're on a special operations team, you learn to adapt and flow and, and think and, um, and just process information and fall back onto your training. So we, you know, we train constantly and the, the thousands and tens of tens of thousands of reps, you would just find yourself falling back into it and everybody would just do their part. Everybody had a job to do and everybody would just do it. And if, and if we did it, the other guy would just have to get super lucky in order to affect any kind of uh, uh, casualty or problem that we couldn't handle. 
and um, they get lucky from from time to time. But you know, uh, we are our overwhelming you know approach speeds price violence of actions what we would leverage. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, man, it was always a thrill to a certain degree. Like you're like, okay, it's, it's game on, and um, and you just kind of sort it out. It just shakes out how it shakes out, and yeah. Um, so you know, did did was I, there, I loved it? Was there anything? Was there any um, like techniques or things that you would do to like if you felt that your your heart rate was getting, or if you felt like things your emotions were getting? That was there anything that you did to best like, practices? Yeah, like to kind of calm mm-hmm. yourself down. Was there like a ritual? Okay, I close my eyes or I, I breathe five times. Or was there anything that you did to kind of you know harness kind of set yourself yeah. up for, before mm-hmm. going in? Yeah, dude, it's just breathing. It's just, it's always breathing. So if you ever felt yourself going into, you know, fight or flight will start to cause the short, like rapid, like shallow breathing. And, um, and we were taught to recognize when, when that was starting to set in and then start to, to get the deep breathing in, uh, and just get the, the oxygen flowing, flowing back in. And that has a way of taking you out of fight or flight. Um, but, um, yeah, it was always, it was always just a sense of breathing. And then too, as time would go on and the more, more sets and reps you get, the, um, the more familiar the environment becomes. I mean, it's a different structure, different floor plan, different layout, but you've done it a thousand times. Mm. And now it's in it, you know, this is a center fed or this is a corner fed. Um, you know, here's an open threat, closed threat. And you just, you just start to, to do your job and you just fall kind of into rhythm. It's like jujitsu, you know, um, I don't know if you guys do jujitsu or not, but, you know, it's like competing in jujitsu. You're like nervous stepping out of the mat. As soon as you go hands on with the other guy, you just, you, all those nerves go away. Like yeah. you just, then you start going into operation mode. Like a muscle and, memory um, type of thing. Yeah, I can, I can yeah. see that. And I can, I imagine totally. that you, you took that practice or that technique in, into every aspect of life, right? If you're in a business meeting or if something else is going on that you feel yourself getting, it's just as simple as, deep breaths slow the heart rate down mm-hmm. yeah because I, I can imagine yeah. I, I would say you know we i've not done jujitsu and i don't think he does uh, at least i haven't seen it maybe no. you know maybe he's no. you know a closet jujitsu guy but no, 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 i can re- i can relate to to uh, sports right i played sports yeah. you played sports and you get that that it's not even like a nerve maybe a little bit of nervousness but it's like that adrenaline that's going before the game before the tip off but then after the first you know down and back i played basketball so after the first down mm-hmm. and back you're everything's just kind of you're in the rhythm yeah. now you're in the rhythm i'm yeah. not thinking about shit you know i'm not thinking about crossovers you're just in the rhythm yeah. right yeah. yeah um and and i would say that you know the nerves are good right because it means that you care about What's going on? If you're not nervous yeah, about it, then, then you don't care. Yeah, like he said, you're a psychopath. Yeah, yeah right. You're, you're so, lying to yourself. Yeah. But that's good that you said, like, even <laughs> yeah, even yeah. right here, from somebody who was, you know, like, for somebody who came from the background that you would you know, come from, right? Multiple, not not one solid father figure had, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, men that were, uh, that were cha- challenged, that had struggles from SWAT yeah. team, from narcotics, from... Um, mm-hmm. You know these big business entrepreneurs. Uh, to I just lost my train of thought, but to um, <laughs> oh, for the you're fear, about, to, right? No, yeah. for the fear yeah. to not to not. It's not that you're not afraid. You're afraid, right? But it's being able to control the fear, not letting that fear and the emotion overwhelm you. It's settle yeah. down. 
it is what it is, and and move yeah. forward with it. You know, my uncle always used to tell yeah. me fear means false evidence appearing real. So right. anytime I kind of get scared, yeah. you know, or nervous, I'll be like, all right, you know, it's just it's just uh, it's something you could take on. Like I you, yeah. I do. I learned through life, you know, growing up that breathing does help with a lot of different things. When you're extremely oh, nervous, totally. when you're ner- when your heart is pumping, you know, just take a deep breath. If you're right. in an argument, yeah, you know, just settle down for ten seconds, take a couple of deep breaths, and you're, it's like a whole different ball game. Yeah, where, where yeah, I was going was yeah. was all the different things that happened in your life. You had so many different instances where you could feel fear, where you were afraid, and you just yep. learn. Listen, I'm going to be afraid. It's it's part of life. Get over it. Right. Yeah. You got to get yeah. over it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, fear is really it's it is truly just anticipating pain. Right? It's like it's that's what generates fear. That's what generates anxiety. And so if you if you can manage the fact that that you can maintain control and maintain dictating the outcome to to the fullest extent that you can, um, we would fall back on on tactics. Right. Like slow is smooth and smooth is fat. We would we would. We went into it fully prepared because there's that big piece of preparation. Uh, proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. And so, you know, when it comes to fearing something, well, we would we would mitigate the risk as much as possible. But then we also would go in knowing we're accepting a certain amount of risk. And uh, but there is applicability to to all of our lives when it comes to certain things like slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Because people would just be willing to take like a tactical pause, like you're saying, like you know. If you're in an argument or you're in a circumstance where you feel yourself in fight or flight and arguments will put us in fight or flight, getting cut off in traffic will put us in fight or flight. Like if you're just willing to, to take a tactical pause and, and, um, allow oxygen to reenter the brain, get out of the amygdala and get back into the frontal lobe. Uh, that is where you will, you will respond versus react where people that we are living in a society right now where, where people, they immediately react. To something and they and they fail to respond and there's a big difference oh yeah um and you know slowest movement is fast proper preparation um and then you know acknowledging the things that you do have control over versus things you don't and then just realizing that when it comes to fear fear is a feeling and feelings are just a thought and thoughts are just that they're just a thought mm-hmm. right so you can put them in compartments you say i've just this feeling is just a thought and i don't have to give that thought any power Right. It's time to it's time to work. Yeah, you can control your thoughts, right? Fear is a feeling and feeling is a thought and you can control your thoughts. Yeah, it's wild mm-hmm. when, you know, it's it's as simple as that. When you break it down, when you break it down just like that, like very granular, it's so simple to be like, "Oh, you know what? I didn't have to react like that. I didn't yeah. have to act yeah. like that." I, I did yeah. it today. I did it today in the car, right? I had a couple of things that just kind of kept like piling on through the day and I was like, "All right, I'm going to do this." And then something else came and then I got a call about this and co- the next thing you know, I feel like myself getting very frustrated when mm-hmm. you're right. It's okay. Just take a, a couple of deep breaths. Sit back. Is this really worth, right? Because 90% of the time, it's not worth the, the emotion, oh, no. right? I mean, there's very few things that are worth, you know, getting frustrated for. Uh, but it's funny that you had said that the, the uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Because uh, And you had mentioned that it's applicable in all aspects of life. And it's yeah. very funny because... That is literally what we say in on the golf course. Okay, <laughs> is mm. is what your swing slow is smooth and smooth is fast, yeah. and then you, pre- mm. you have a good swing. And I'm like, it's a totally different uh, area. Yeah, but it still applies. Hundred percent. Slow yeah. is smooth. Smooth is fast. Yeah, it's yep. uh, it's funny how that works, when, right? When you're in that headspace, you know, I always feel like I'm in a, an emotional roller coaster 
roller coaster eternally. Like you're super like anxiety, you're super worried, and then you're like, you know what? It's all okay. right. It's not that bad. You can figure it out. And it's like, ah, oh, oh. and you're like, fuck. When am I just gonna get down and just chill? But yeah. <laughs> now I I did yeah. want to ask. We talked uh you know prior to this, but um. No. Oh, the narcotics question. You were you were dabbling for your profession, obviously. You were dabbling in some uh, methamphetamines to kind of being a narcotics detective. You got to know what you're working with, and you said that you were very successful at yeah, making some narcotics. Some uh, very proud of yeah, it. Yeah. So so tell us yeah. about this because I I was not aware that this was a thing. Part of becoming uh, in the, a, a member of the narcotics team. So tell us about this methamphetamine creation that you had to undergo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I am, I am a, uh, a very skilled methamphetamine cook, um, you know, and uh, I'm very proud of the certificate that hangs on the wall today. It's, it's not a prerequisite of uh, being uh, in NARC. I was fortunate enough to go, so I was selected for a school in uh, Quantico, Virginia, at DEA's headquarters, and it was a clan lab school. So essentially it was um, – how to basically serve a search warrant in a place where meth is being cooked because they're it's very uh, volatile, right? And and you have houses that literally explode and kill everybody in it and kill everybody around it when that happens. And so there's a lot of things you need to be very aware of when it comes to being in that environment. And um, and you can't just walk in there uh, without protective gear. So when we would serve warrants in a place where there was a a, a lab and a cook. Um, you have to get full protective uh, PPE, you know, the respirators, the, the, the air tanks, and then you have to put on uh, your your plates and you have to run a gun and running a running a long gun when you got a little, you know, uh, window to look through in a face mask um, and then going hands on with people. It's a it's as you can imagine a whole different game and like being quiet and stealth and like fighting with people in uh, in tight spaces when you got an air tank on uh, and you don't want to lose your map because then you're taking in all the toxins and. You know, you think you got things like fentanyl these days, but um, yeah, man, we, 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 it was a couple weeks long. We uh, got trained up in all kinds of things. And part of it too, is when you're in there, you need to help the detectives build the case. So, you know, you're serving a warrant. You've, you've gone to a judge, you've told the judge that there is reason to believe that a lab is happening. And, um, and now you need to be looking for stuff. So you need to know what to look for. And, not everything is it, like there's stuff isn't like just labeled, you know, yeah. methamphetamine. Here's a jar of methamphetamine right? right here on the kitchen table. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Look here, so look here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's a section within the DEA where, you know, they you go and you get all the ingredients, you get the matchsticks, you get the acetone, you get the, you know, batteries, you get all the different things that you need to make the chemical reaction happen. And it is it is mind blowing that people can put this shit in their bodies and and survive it. It's just it's insane um but yeah we had to on two different uh, occasions we had to cook it from from the ingredients sitting on the shelf all the way to testing 97 percent pure uh um in order to graduate from this this course so we had to do it twice to make sure the first time was just a fluke and um I'm very happy wow. to say 98 98 percent is what i hit walter white uh, and wow. flesh baby yeah. Does, yeah, now, yeah. The only thing we missed was the uh, the the glow sticks or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Sure. Just to spice it up. Yeah. And and the uh, and the storage unit of you know a billion dollars. Sure. <laughs> now, does it does it have yeah. a distinct smell? Can you smell it when you walk in? Does it smell bad? Like what's what's that like? So, 
Um, what does have a um, <laughs> what does have a very distinct smell is heroin. What's even more distinctly uh, uh, smelly than heroin is heroin that is in um, a, a chick vagina from Portland to Idaho. I can tell you that story yeah. after this. If you want. Oh my! Uh, wait, that's a, good, that's, a, wait, that's a good story. Wait a but, second. Wait a second. It's like we're all over you that. Yeah, you can't just like cruise past that. Like you didn't just say what you just said. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the there was. You can tell man for days. There. So there was a chick. That was yeah. smuggling heroin. Yeah, in her where the coop. sun don't shine. Well, if you you want to, you want the, the the details of it, and your listeners want to tune in for yeah, this part. Here's yeah. the fun. Here's Hell the fun yeah. thing. So we I want to hear. Yeah, this will be this will be a little extra, a little extra clip. All right, there's a little extra <laughs> clip here. Extra, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, we might have to remove this. Knows, we might have to remove this from the YouTube, otherwise, Mike, because this will definitely not get monetized. Nah. But <laughs> this will be an extra clip <laughs> for yeah. educational purposes yeah, for your, only. Your, your premium subscribers. This yeah. is all hypothetical. So we um, we uh, the the case officer uh, had had information that this chick was going up to Portland, um, grabbing a bunch of heroin and then bringing it back. And through the CI, the confidential informant, it was that she was bringing it back in her, her vagina. And, you know, a, um, about an ounce or golf ball size of heroin. That's a lot of heroin. When you consider that just a little flick of it is like a, is like a one-time use still. So <clears throat> she, um, we get, we get word that she's, going to be portland so we have units follow her out there sit on the the, the place she's with a guy and uh, the deal happens it's confirmed uh and they're they're on their way back the, they they cross back into idaho's border we we find them we tail them and um just as they're they're pulling into the house because we also had a warrant on the house uh we 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 take them down and so we do uh, uh we arrest them both and we bring her, we bring the dude back to, um, back to the station for an interview. Now, the, the, what we had observed happened numerous times along the way in the other units falling was they would, they would pull over multiple times. And, um, and because you can't just like stop behind him, like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, people would pass it, the undercovers would pass and they'd be like, hey, they're, they're stopped. And, um, come to find out what was happening is, is, she would get uncomfortable, so she would pull it out uh, within a condom. Uh, they wow. would they would take a flick of it. Um, they would use it. They would both use. And she's like, "Hey, I'm uncomfortable. It's your turn now." So he takes it, puts it in his ass. <laughs> they 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 merge safely back onto the highway, uh, signals and all, and um, and they they keep driving higher and higher on uh, on heroin. Um, until we, we take them off. So now we've got her in the interview room and the, the case officer comes in and, and I'm in there and he says, look, uh, we, we know where it's at. And, um, here's, here's a warrant for your vagina. He actually went to the, the judge that we have all this probable cause. The judge signed a warrant for her vagina. No and, yeah. way. Yeah. That's, that's public yeah. property right now. Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't even know that, <laughs> that they could that belonged do, to the government. I didn't even know they could do that. <laughs> That's crazy. That's so did awesome. they get a warrant for his asshole too? No, we didn't have we didn't have uh, we didn't know about her ass buddy until that that time. So I can't no, imagine he, that stench. Oh my, yeah. that is wild. So, here, so here's here's how this whole thing ties back into your original question about smell. So heroin 
naturally smells like vinegar and it's got a very vinegary smell to it. Now, when you, when you take vinegar and, um, and it's inserted into either an asshole or a vagina for, you know, nine hours, whatever the trip was back and forth, um, it, it tends to, you know, get other flavors involved. So we have, we, we got it in a, in, let's, is, let's call, we'll call it scent. Different. Let's call it scents, not flavors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's call it scents. Yeah. Yeah. We can call it a, a, yeah, whatever, aromas. Whatever you want to call it. Aromas. Right. Yeah. Very, very different than an essential oil. That's for sure. So it's in this big paper bag. So you basically like you got one or two options. We can take you to the hospital and, and a hospital staff is going to, you're going to get pinned down to a bed. It's coming out. We have a warrant. We have the right to do this, or you can take it out. So she reaches down just pops it out and she pops it into uh, a big paper bag and and um because cops are are apples and have a kind of a dark sense of humor there's a couple of rookies that come in and one of the case guys like hey you ever smelled heroin before and um you got to know what it smells like so you can testify you gotta be able to testify to this in court if you ever see it you got to know they're gonna ask so they're like no and so they, these little rookies and they, they he opens the bag up and they pop their head in and he goes he whiffs the bag. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh! Oh my! Right in your face, just like Mike Tyson, baby, oh. punching you right in the face. Very valuable lessons. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Very valuable lessons. Those two guys—they got seasoned very quickly uh, in a couple of different ways. Oh my! Uh, they that, singed their eyebrows thing. off. Oh, oh. Yeah. wow! Mm-hmm. That is one of the wildest stories I've ever heard. Okay, you know that's a that's a. That's a good cop story. You know, we always oh, hear the cop yeah. stories, but that's that's a good one for sure. That is a yeah. that is a wild, wild. First off, passing it back. You no, know, it's your turn. No, it's your turn. No, it's your turn. No, it's your turn. Yeah, just going back. Yeah. Oh my! And then, hey, we got a warrant for your vagina. What? <laughs> Could you imagine bringing that yeah. to the judge here? Hey, judge, this is where we yeah. think it is. I need you to sign this. He's reading it. Uh, we must search. Vagine? Search. Search what? Yeah, we got to start. Yeah. Okay, fine. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, sign. Sign still delivered. Oh, and, uh, man. That, to that case officer's credit, he wasn't wrong. God bless. Got to do what you got to yep. do, man. That's why. But, the, you, yeah. but you solved the case. We appreciate We appreciate. Right. We appreciate that type of service. Holy That's right. crap. Now, yep. go, you know, going from that life, you know, the crazy yes. SWAT, narcotics, all yeah. these different interactions. Getting feelings. to the business side now, the business. Now, when, w- when was the day you woke up, you planted your feet on the ground, and you're like, all right, I'm out, and I'm going to start to be an entrepreneur and go on the business <laughs> side of the world. Like, what, what, what was that like? Where, where did yeah, it start? That is, that is a completely uprooting yeah, what you know. Because yeah, I'm sure you took all the things that you learned in, in your life, in your career as in law enforcement, to business. You know, Obviously, you, are, you're, you own a couple different businesses that look like Mm-hmm. The things that you utilize in your past that you're using now, mm-hmm. but you know what was that transition like? What were the thoughts? How that all start? Yeah, man. So um, we were going down to Southern California for a wedding. At this point, you know, I had been in law enforcement for a while, and uh, my my brother in law was getting married, and it was in Newport Beach. There was a little bike shop right there next to the, the boardwalk, and my wife and I go in there to rent a couple bikes. And um, prior to this, I, I had never thought about becoming an entrepreneur. I didn't actually think I was going to be able to retire from the profession uh, because I, the profession is just, it was something I was like, I'm too, I'm, I love getting into the shit too much. And that's not good for business when it comes to politics and the, you know, law enforcement, there, there's politics involved. So I started to wonder internally if this was going to be a professional I was going to be able to even retire from and survive. 
<clears throat> and so um, that loop had started to play. But when we went down to Southern California, we're in this bike shop, it was owned by a retired firefighter. And it just so happened he came up that he was selling it. And uh, I was like, oh, well, what are you selling it for? And I think 60000 was what he wanted for this business. And, and what, what, I look at Chris and – What year was this? This was in 2013. Okay. Uh, early just, I just wanted to get a reference of, you know, $60,000 to buy a business, you know. Yeah. Was this 60000 mm-hmm. in like 95? Uh-huh. Was this 60000 last year, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, 60000 then is probably, you know, 280000 today. Um, but which is still not which grand, is like, still not that bad for a whole business. <laughs> no, know, for, no, for it wasn't. Business. But but he but here's the reason why it was it was the way it was, and the reason why it it didn't happen because California, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard, but um, they're taxing you a little bit silly. Down there. Yeah, I mean, and, we're from New York, so it kind of you know same same. We we're in don't the same boat. We get it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the guy's like, look, he's like. You, you just got to know that because of our taxes being the way they are, that, you know, the, the revenue isn't really, the real revenue isn't reflected in the books because I got to, you know, the, the government looks at the books and the IRS and the taxes things like, and this is primarily a cash business. So, you know, without coming out and saying I'm committing tax fraud, he was saying, look, you know, don't expect to see you in the books what the exact thing, you just got to take my word for it. And I'm like, well, okay, that's, that's kind of a red flag. But then, you know, he, he went a little further and he's like, and I built out the upstairs to living quarters and the, the city doesn't know I live here. Um, but, you know, I do. And it's, it's everything. We got a kitchen, we got a bathroom. And now our son is like uh, a couple of years old at this point. And I look at Chris, I'm like, well, OK, so there's some tax fraud involved. But look, we could live like literally on the beach in Newport. Like, let's maybe think about this. She's like, no. Like we're not we're not doing this. Like her, no, her you, dad you, comes in. You go from law enforcement to now committing tax fraud. Like, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, the, the fact that it even crossed my mind is a little bit concerning. But ultimately, you know, <laughs> I I, I, uh, I decided, you know, that that's not the way to go. We can't can't do that. But the entire drive home, the wheels were turning, and I was thinking, man, what what is it that I could do, and what could I bring forward? And what I knew was special operations at that point had been been in that world for um, five years and. Uh, quite a bit of experience. So I'm thinking, you know, Idaho is a very pro second amendment, very pro self-defense, very pro, um, uh, you know, firearm state. And, uh, there's a lot of people out there who have guns that really, they, they have them because they can, but if they were to need them, they have no fucking clue what they can and cannot do with them. And so what if, what if I started a training business and, um, and, um, and I modeled it after some of the high level training places that I've trained in with the, with the team. And so that's what we, we built. Essentially, we called it uh, forward movement training. It was a 30,000 in foot, uh, inside 30,000 outside, um, training village. And it looked like, like a movie set inside 2000 or yeah, like 2200 square foot house, five bedroom, two bath, two stories, a bank, fully built out bank, uh, low light house, mat room, shooting simulator vehicles i mean it was it was full of all built for force on force so the closest thing you can do in in you know for uh, or like um shooting type training is either what's called utm rounds or simunition and these are these are marking rounds that they they fly out of the gun at like you know 60 80 feet per second and when they hit you if they hit bare skin it'll break the skin uh and it'll definitely leave wild all over the place and and so you're taught the lesson like you were shot and uh and you know if you were shot in a critical area or not 
Um, but it obviously so, doesn't, you know, cause any real harm. It's like, it's like kind of getting hit with a, a paintball or it's going to break the skin. It's going to leave a big ass welt, but it's not going to, you know, puncture a, a lung or something. Um, it, it could, it, it could, we did have a lady that she took her glove off mid mid training course and it hit the side of her hand, went in into her hand and then lodged underneath and she had to have it surgically removed. Um, so it definitely could break the skin if you were close enough to proximity. I mean, these things were mean, and, but it's as close as you can get to being an actual real gunfight. And you got to, you got you you will you will fight how you train, so you must train how you will fight. And uh, and so these gave us the tools to do that. So um, you built this and, this this entire town that people could like go to war in this town. Yeah. Like, hey, there's a bunch of red guys and there's a bunch of blue guys, and yeah. So that's a uh, yeah. I mean, I. Right off the cuff, that kind of sounds like fun. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna lie. That's that sounds like a little bit of fun. I mean, yes, it's gonna hurt you get shot, but that kind of sounds like a little bit of fun, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. I mean, it's like it's like paintball on steroids for sure. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it's it, and it's like it's like the ultimate game as an adult of like that cat and mouse, right? Like you got like that seek and destroy. Um, you know, only the strong survive. So it's like playing it's, uh, real life Call of Duty. Yeah. Yeah. real life cold and dude. you're using real weapons so you just change out the bolt carrier group in your in your long gun your rifle which is just like the section inside of the the rifle itself um with the firing pin everything else about the rifle is is the exact thing it is your rifle that you're running so does um, it does it the upper receiver does it fire and uh recoil the same as a regular mm-hmm. bullet yeah yeah i mean it's it's pretty damn close without the Without the actual bang, because it's all primer driven. Right. But yeah, it. I mean, it it has to actually cycle the gun, because you don't change the springs out or anything. Like it actually has enough power to cycle the gun the same way a live round is. So you get all the recoil and um, the feedback that you do in a real engagement. Now, did you also do in? Was it like could you go in as a solo person and you have stations like hey you have to go into this house and knock down five targets mm-hmm. go into this building not like did you do that type of training yeah. as well yeah 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 so a lot of like you know you 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 either wake up in the middle of the night and um there's like ruffling or something and there's a reason why you got to go check out your house because you got kids or something and you you're not going to just go back to bed after you hear something crash um, and so you grab a pistol, you got to check it out. And so we could do it low light where you set the lights off and do it with either a flashlight or like ambient light. Oh, wow. Um, we could do it. You came, you came home and you know, you're not sure somebody broke in, like the door is just a jar. So it doesn't rise to the level of calling the cop. And, uh, so you are going to check it out, but you know, you, you see what you see. Yeah. We had a whole host of different kinds of scenarios so and for you- anybody, if there's anybody that's listening that, that, um, has a firearm in any capacity, vehicle, you carry it, open carry, still carry it in the home, any capacity where you would find a self-defense and circumstance to that weapon, you've got to get this kind of training. You've got to find somebody that does it, and, and you got to get it. Yeah, so you're do, engaging was, in like real-life situations. I was just mm-hmm. going to ask, do yeah. you do you still do that training? No. Do you uh, know no. of people that still do that throughout the country? Yeah, so um, there's a, uh, um, a really solid outfit called Sheepdog Response. And, um, uh, they have a whole community. The dude's name is John Lovell and he's guy's a former ranger, I believe. And he's got a super solid program. Uh, so he does it. Um, Tim Kennedy, he's got a, he's got, um, his sheepdog response. Um, 
Wait, no, I said the first one, Sheep Dog. Tim's is Sheep Dog response. The other one is the. Um, oh, shit. It'll come to me. John Lovell's program. Anyways, yeah, What's there's the those John, two John, for sure. John, John Lovell. Level. John Lovell. L O V E L L. John L O V E L L. Warrior Poet? Yeah, Warrior Poet Society. That's okay. the one. There it is. Yeah, Warrior Poet so, Society. There you go. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. So you're basically train you know, similar to your training in the SWAT. You're kind of you know, getting your mindset, your 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 body ready for any kind of real life scenario if you had to protect you and your family in your home, you know, yeah. in the public. I never no, that, thought I never thought those things existed. No, that's that's actually I mean, that's amazing because to yeah. your point is there's a lot of people that will own weapons just for the sake of, you know, having some sort of home protection, but don't yeah. know how to use it and don't know yeah. and even if they do know how to use it, they don't know how to, you know, maneuver around your house and use it in a way that you're not endangering anybody else. Right? Like for instance, right. you know, if you have a shotgun, right? Like I own a shotgun, okay? But you're not going to unload like buckshot or uh, um, or birdshot like into your living room because you're just gonna or, or a slug and you're gonna just completely blow the entire wall out and you'll probably hit people on the other side of the wall and into the next house. Like you can't just blow a hole in your like you have to. There's certain yeah, know what you're doing yeah yeah you gotta know what it's, you're doing. Shock. Do you have kids? I do not, not yet. Okay, uh, any any. Anybody else in the house besides you that, that lives there? Yes, me, my wife, and my sister. Your sister, okay. So, you know, depending on, on how much you, you, you like your sister uh, <laughs> on that particular day, you know, if you were to hear a crash in the middle of the night, and let's say that the sister is out, like she's, she's on vacation, she's not there, it's just you and your wife, there's literally no reason for you to do anything other than just park your wife in some other safe part of the room point your shotgun at the door right. and call 911, right? right? You don't need to go searching around the place and stuff. And so we would teach people that kind of stuff because it's a lot of people go to the range and what they do is they shoot static targets. They shoot paper that's not yelling at them, moving around, causing any kind of problems, doesn't put you in fight or flight. And that, as you can imagine, is very different than having some some robber or some person that's breaking your house. And if they're breaking your house at you know three in the morning when the car's on the driveway and there's a very high probability that people are in the house, Chances are they're not just after the property. Chances are they they're they're willing to right. interact with and engage with anybody that's in there, um, and that's a very different scenario. You're not preparing yourself for a home invasion if all you're doing is going to the range and and shooting static targets. You gotta you gotta you gotta see what you gotta know what it feels like to see another human being on the other end on the business end of your your barrel. Right. If the first time you're ever processing, do I shoot or not shoot in a real circumstance? And the first time you're ever seeing a, a person on the other end of your site is in a real deal, you know, good luck to you. But there's plenty of people in prison that they just buckled on the pressure. They made they made the wrong call. Uh, they didn't have any you know intentions of hurting the wrong person. But that's what um, um, manslaughter is, right? It's, right. it's, it's killing yeah. somebody without any malice mm. and intent. So unfortunately, people get jammed up for that. So so let me let me ask you this. I, I have two questions. One, first, the comment is. Um, I who are we? We were interviewing. Um, oh crap! What's his name? Michael Marsh. You remember Michael Marsh? Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so we were interviewing him, and this was before our, pro- our project grad. 
Yeah, 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 Michael Marsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so we, yeah, great guy. And I was talking to him about this was before I had purchased my shotgun, uh, my shotgun. I was asking him, you know, about because he's a a big gun enthusiast. And I was asking him, and he was saying, listen, he goes, you get a shotgun. He goes, you don't even need bullets if if the whole thing is for home protection. He goes, the one thing about the shotgun that is so effective is not the bullets. It's the The racking it. He goes, if somebody comes into your house and they hear, they go 90% of the time, you know, unless they are packing heat too, but 90% they're going to be out. Okay. You don't even need to use it because just that sound alone, you know, hey, listen, I have a gun. It's loaded. I'm ready to use it. They're, They're gone. So that's my comment. My question is, one, if in that scenario, you, okay, your wife, hey, you're in this corner. I'm standing in, I'm, you stay over there. I'm standing here. I'm pointing at the door. What type of ammunition do you use in that scenario? Do you use buck? Do you use slugs, buckshot, birdshot? What Bird. do you, birdshot? Birdshot. Yeah. Okay. Over, there's no over, over penetration. You got to worry about in that scenario. In, in, in the standard distance, it's not going to have the spread to where it's going to do anything other than just leave like a, a bowling ball size, uh, uh, you know, radius. Um, radius yeah in, right. in the dude's chest or whatever right so um and anything that kind of flies by you know unless there's somebody directly behind him and, and things is going to be okay but um slugs yeah that's a problem that'll go through and through that'll go through the person through the walls exit no point no need for a slug um and uh buck is you know that's just a little heavy you're not going to get as big of a spread so birdshot great if, if that's what you're doing if, if you're just if you're just parking it pointing at the door and should somebody you know, breach that door, fail to, to leave, give, you know, I agree with Mike with the, the racking thing. That's like a universal language of get the fuck out. Right. Right. That's right. a universal language. Every, doesn't matter who they pray to, what language they speak. You hear that noise and you know what that means. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to just like fail. You, I mean, I wouldn't put my, my life, my family's life on, uh, on that bluff. I mean, I'm going to have some rounds, but, um, right. I agree that there's something very powerful about, that noise. So now my second question is, so I imagine that in that scenario, right, you're, that's where there's nobody else in the house. You're parking and you're pointing and that's that. But if yeah. you need to maneuver around the house, I imagine that it's not very easy with a long gun. This is where mm-hmm. you would need a handgun because yeah. it's much easier to make corners. It's You're not going to turn, click, fire, and blow freaking a hole in the wall yeah so is, right. is that accurate my thing that in that case you wouldn't walk around with your shotgun you would walk around with a handgun totally yeah 100 percent. my my gun of choice and you know you'll get people that'll give you all kinds of of uh their take on it but my i'm a glock guy because glock they don't they don't malfunction they don't care what kind of ammunition in it they just always function and so a glock 17 is like our go-to and we've got um we've got a few of those around and um because you can you can easily maneuver that the weapons retention is easier. You know, I I had when I was in SWAT, uh, just to give an example of like what happens is we were we had a, a warrant for a dude and we knock on the door. It's a it's a it's a double wide trailer. The dude's dad answers. He says the guy's not home. Uh, we said can we check? And like yeah, you can check. I don't know why he said we could check, uh, but he he said yes. 
And so we're searching around. I get into the little bathroom, and I don't know how much time you guys spend in a little, you know, trailer, but um, there, that space is not big. So I walk in, and I see that the curtain, like the plastic curtain, is like pulled halfway down. And I just got that scent, like it just it, yeah. the spidey sense is just um, started tingling. I'm like, fuck, I bet you he's on the other side of that curtain. And there's no there's no space there. Once you get once you get to that space, like you, the the wall is right there, and then there's the little shower tub thing. And so I I I recess that gun in as tight to my body as I can. And when you're that close, like you don't have to, you can just point and click when you're like standing right, you know, toe to toe with somebody. So I recess it all the way into my side, and I pull the curtain, and I twist in, and sure enough, there's the dude, and the fight was on. And uh, and so because I had a handgun, I was able to. I was able to holster it and I was, and then it just turned into like a physical match. If he had had a knife or if he had anything else, um, uh, you know, I could have easily fired. And, um, and so that's a, that's a reason right there. You have closets, you have tower curtains, you have all kinds of small spaces where you, you don't want to be over penetrating. If I had my long gun and I'm coming around the corner, he could grab that barrel and, you know, now he's got full, full capability of that. Uh, of that weapon and it's no good to me right, right. so yeah right. you definitely want a shorty if you're going to have to go and, and start searching small spaces wow. yeah that's uh that's you know unfortunately it takes a little bit longer in new york to get a, a handgun permit but <laughs> yeah it took my buddy know. like two and a half years to get yeah it, it takes a little <laughs> long it, but... it's got to be a felony just for us to be having this conversation with you guys <laughs> gotta <laughs> be probably. it's gotta be Jeez. probably yeah. now now where it is um Fit Pro Tracker come in all of this because this is this is the this is your main business if I'm not mistaken this is the the golden goose it's one of them yeah yeah it's one of them it's one yeah, one of several. it's the, yeah, it's one of the eight figure I, will, I, I, I should say know. it's the it's one of the more cash cows if I if I read my my articles correctly yeah so let me back up a little bit because the first couple of years of, of owning a business, and this is really important. First of all, you know, for people who are first responders, it is completely possible to leave the profession and find yourself becoming a very successful entrepreneur. And I will argue all day long that there is nothing like being an entrepreneur. There is, there is, there is no other pathway to be able to provide for your family the way that you can as an entrepreneur to create time, wealth, freedom, wealth, be able to do what you want when you want and create generational impact and legacy like being an entrepreneur. Uh, and so, um, I get to enjoy, my family gets to enjoy things that we never would be possible if I stayed in the profession. That said, we need people in the profession, but I, I have found that it has been very inspirational to people who are in a profession where they want to leave and they, they're not sure that there's a pathway to success as an entrepreneur. And there absolutely is. My first couple of years though, that being said, were very, very painful. I made the mistake of thinking that just simply working hard and because I knew special operations well would translate into being a successful entrepreneur. And it turns out there, there's far more that goes into success when you own your own business than just being a hard worker and a great technician, right? You gotta be a great manager, a great leader, a great visionary. So the first couple of years were very, very challenging. And there was a, there was a moment um, in 2017 where we got a call that there was some some um, heavy hitting entrepreneurs that were coming into town, and uh, and are you guys familiar with ClickFunnels that that software ClickFunnels where you can, you're able to like make um, uh, you know for for getting people to funnel through your program and, and purchase? You guys familiar with that? Like a, I've heard, like I, a search engine optimization type of thing. No, it's a, it's a it's a um, 
like it, it, you don't need to have any ability to create a website and and this this software is it allows for you to create your own website where you can have buttons that eventually take you to a checkout page that you can offer something and if they don't take it you can offer them a cross sell or down sell okay. or up sell okay. all right yeah, yeah i think i i've, I've heard of a i've heard of uh, i mean there's a few website building platforms that are probably similar to click funnel i've never actually used yeah. click funnel but I'm familiar yeah. with the process. Yeah, you get helps for the for the people that mm-hmm. have no idea how to build a website. It helps create one. Here's your checkout yeah. page. Here's your button. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. You guys, you guys will love it. Um, but uh, there was this event because Russell Brunson, the, the 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 creator of it, he lives here locally. So these these like you know five guys. All I knew is they flew in in their own private jet. They were coming to this event and they were looking for something to do. They were shooters, and so they come in, and for the first time. I found myself having a conversation with with entrepreneurs that were on a completely different hemisphere as me. Like they were, they were, they were the amount of, of impact they were having, the amount of people they were employing, the amount of of, of wealth they were creating, time wealth, uh, money wealth was just like on a completely different hemisphere. And I'm thinking, dude, this is I'm doing entrepreneurism all wrong. Like I'm I am I am I am thinking too small, dreaming too small, and achieving way too small. How many so, how many uh, years into being an entrepreneur were you before this 2017? Before these guys from ClickFunnel came in, four years, uh, three, three. Yeah, yeah. We we opened up in 2013, like end of 2013. Uh, yeah, beginning of 2014. So this was about three, okay. three years. So okay, yep, yep. And um, in those three years, man, I'll tell you, like we 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 had to sell our homes to to pay the bills. We, uh, my wife and I, because of the the stress of not having money and. And robbing Peter to pay Paul, like financially, we were a mess. Credit, we were a mess. My my weight was out of control. And and, and uh, you had uh, you had a kid, right? Yeah, our son. Yeah, he was growing up in that in that space. That so that that, that just that multiplies it yeah, by you know tenfold. Oh, hundred percent. And 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 I'll tell you that there was a moment where we sold both of our homes. We we owned two beautiful homes. One of them had been a rental for like eight years, and was creating awesome passive income. We had to sell our first home. It was a custom built home uh, to be able to take the equity and be able to, to pay. We were getting eviction notices from the landlord because it was about a 30000 per month nut we had to meet just to break even. So we take the equity. We start using that. Uh, that didn't create enough runway for long enough for us. So we had to sell our second home. We end up in a townhouse. And our son in the kitchen one day, he came up to me and said, Dad, I don't feel like I have a home. And he wasn't saying it to be mean. He was, you know, he was... Uh, Let's see, uh, five maybe so, uh, and uh, but I remember it was like he might as well have gone to the the drawer, pulled out a steak knife, and just lodged it through my chest, right? So as a father, as a husband, as a protective provider, looking at my little son's eyes, knowing he was not saying that to be mean or hurtful, but that was just how he felt, and knowing what like what I went through, and it hit me. I'm like, this little boy is moving around from one place to the next, just the way that I had to, because, because I, I haven't got my shit together. And so that's where I really started going down the path of, of personal development and um, started to choose the people I started to hang around more wisely and started to realize that I was playing at like a, a four or five on a scale of one to 10. I wanted the lifestyle and the opportunities of, of entrepreneurs at a, at a nine or 10, but I was playing at a four or five. And so it hit me. And from that, from that moment, 
it developed this like this this rage in like in my my belly and like this chip on my shoulder that from that moment through today and through the moment that I die, I will use as as, as a mechanism to never go back to that place again and to only produce um, the things that are in my family's best interest. So that had happened. And then shortly after these guys come rolling in and, and I, I, then I had this, this, this next real like epiphany, which was I'm playing too small, thinking too small, dreaming too small. My goals are too small and I'm, and I'm achieving at, at, at a level that I don't have to be, if I'm willing to start like, taking shit seriously, taking myself seriously, uh, stop playing that fake it till you make it thing. Uh, and, um, and really just start following the clues of success. Like, looking at the people who've already been where I was and were then where I wanted to be. And like, what did they do? And these guys represented that. And so um, then I started just focusing on, on, on people that I could consider mentors from afar, right? Read their books, listen to their podcasts, uh, go to YouTube and just pay attention. And I just started doing what other successful people started doing. And so from 2017 to 2019, we were able to, to completely turn the business around sell the business off. Uh, we, we, we donated um, uh, the the village to the sheriff's office, which even today is still their, the head training quarters for the A County Sheriff's Office, which is the largest department in the state. Was that business that you had and, to sell? Um, was that the the um, the compound that you had for the training? Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we sold off the the civilian portion, like all the civilian training, all the all of those kinds of things. We carved that out. We sold that to a guy that was um, that was with the CIA at that time and was ready to stop deploying. And so he bought that piece, donated the, the, um, uh, the Snero village. And then that took us to Southern California and, um, because of job opportunity there. So, um, one of these guys tapped me and said, Hey, you want to come down and, and uh, work with me? Uh, we did, we, like, we, we went all in with that. And I knew that in going down there, that was going to give us an opportunity to, um, to start to learn and be in closer proximity of nines and tens and that, and that if I would continue to earn my seat at the table and, um, and pay my dues, I would go from a four to a five to a seven or an eight and then a nine or a 10 eventually. And, um, that's the process that started happening, man. It's, it's, it's really not that complicated. It's really that easy. Uh, follow the clues of success. I did that for a couple of years. And then what happened was I got tapped by the, um, by the owner of Fitbro Chakra, the software company, and uh, was offered a position as executive vice president of the company. And um, initially, I was like, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't, I mean, this isn't really the space. And he's like, well, look, uh, we have a target valuation of $100 million. We're looking to get there within the next uh, 24 to 36 months, and we will give you uh, equity in the company. And so I took the number that they were offering, I multiplied that times the uh, target valuation, 100, 100 million, and it was multiple seven figures that my exit would be um, at the time of acquisition. So I accepted the deal. That was about a year and a half or so ago, maybe getting a little bit closer to two years. Wow. And um, and we're well on our way. So um, uh, in that same period, I started the business coaching uh, because I wanted, I always wanted to give back. The way I was mentored and the way that I was able to be helped from that really painful place. I wanted to do that for other entrepreneurs and and give back, um, use the use the, all the pains and successes of my first business, everything I've learned the the years after that, and um, and that took off and that I've been doing that for the last three years, um, 
and has then led to, I think we're up to uh, five different companies now uh, that we're uh, either involved with or uh, have ownership in all of them. And one of them, one of the, you know, as I'm learning about your story, one of them is like relation, relationship coaching or relationship, you know, you know, spouse and being in business. So I'm taking yeah. that. That's your way of giving back of what you learned throughout your life. You know, this is your way. This is your business of giving that back to, you know, be more successful in business, but also with your relationships. Yeah, man. So that's called the Ubuntu community. So Ubuntu is an African proverb. And it, uh, how do you, sp- it, how do you spell trans- that? Uh, U-B-U. U-B-U-N-T-U. And then what, what is your, um, Ubuntu. what's your business coaching? Uh, business yeah, I coach? year. Ignition year coaching. Yeah, right there. Oh, you got it? Right there. Ignition year. Year. Yeah. Coaching. Yep. So that's, you know, that's for companies looking to scale, you know, break the either the six figure, seven figure mark. Um, and uh, we've had massive success with that. Um, that has been a really fun, fun journey. Um, and so we got that locked down. Now I've got two other coaches that, that uh, do the training um, or the, the coaching as part of it to help scale that piece out of it. Um, and, uh, those, these guys are very high level guys. One's an MD oral surgeon, the one, um, 23 years as an executive in two of the privately, uh, largest privately held companies in the country. Uh, his, his last role, um, up to about six months ago was managing a PNL of over 200 million a month. Uh, I'm sorry, 200 million a year and 300 uh, people under his, his, uh, leadership. And he, he left that and uh, is now coaching. Uh, under me. So we've got some really high level people doing that, um, which has freed me up to, to start this couples community. So Ubuntu, it, it, it translates to I am because we are. And um, it is my way of, of making a difference in, in people's relationships. Um, you know, divorce is something that is happening far too, um, uh, too much. And what I witnessed when I was younger was that the problem the problem with our circumstance was every time things got tough and they were hard, my mom chose to take the easy path mm-hmm. rather than work on the relationship, rather than work on the, you know, herself or, or, um, you know, her husband working on himself and, and, and resolving the deal, they would, they would divorce. And this cycle repeated over and over again. And when you choose, when you choose the easy path, uh, hard does follow like hard comes afterwards. And that is what continued to follow my entire childhood and um i i i a became committed absolutely committed to break that cycle uh you know so my wife and i we just celebrated 17 years married 20 years together uh, Congrat- my son will never know yeah thanks so yeah my mom uh, my son will never ever know what what i what i felt and dealt with i you know so we broke that cycle we'll forever break that cycle we'll always choose hard over easy and do the hard things and um and the reality is in, in, in the vast majority of circumstances where people are getting divorced, they, they don't have to. They can reconcile. But, you know, there's three relationships in every single relationship. There's the one that you have with yourself, the one that your spouse has with themselves, and then the one that you have together. Right? And, and the, the journey must be that you prioritize, you prioritize yourself to get whole, to get healthy, to get optimized, mind, body, soul, uh, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and your spouse does the same. And when you do that, you're then able to bring the, your fullest self to the to the relationship and make the relationship something that um, that 
it could not be without each person being their the best version of themselves. So the this community, we focus on health, wealth, and relationships are our three pillars. And uh, and it's all about just achieving more together, um, accomplishing more together, big dreams, big aspirations, um, nines and tens, hanging around with other nines and tens, and people that want to become a nine and ten, join the community and and leveling up and um, just accomplishing more in this short life that we have um, and leaving as big a footprint, large of an impact as they can. Um, all while having a kick-ass time. Oh yeah, in, in their marriage. Now, now, do you have? Do you have? Um, I imagine you do, but do you have couples that are in both uh, programs, like in the relationship program and in your business yeah. training? In the coaching, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, I do, I do. In fact, um, it's uh, you know because the coaching started first. It's been cool. There's even one. There's one coaching client. Just, just to kind of demonstrate how how badass the things are with this whole deal is. We have, I, I've had a coaching client. He, he owned four or five, um, very successful companies. I mean, each one of them is doing multiple million dollars in revenue a year. And one in particular, like he's building on an apartment complex and this is like a $200 million project or something. And, um, he's been a coaching client for, for probably just over a year now. And, um, him and his wife, they live in Colorado. They came to our event that we did last month in, in June, um, the Ignite Life Experience. And, uh, and immediately join the community uh, from that event. And now we're going to, we leave for Arizona. We're going to Scottsdale tomorrow. We're spending 10 days down there and we have a pop-up event down there in Scottsdale and uh, they're coming to that too. So not only do I, you know, I have clients um, that uh, longtime coaching clients that join the community, but they're also like, it, it's, it's awesome, dude. When you have people that go all in on their personal development, the shit that happens in the places they go, uh, especially the couple is incredible. Wow. So so wait so you're you're going to you're going to be in Scottsdale. When do you leave? Tomorrow for ten days. Tomorrow. Tomorrow yeah. for ten days. So you'll be there from yeah, the seventeenth to the twenty seventh. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that that's back. guess what we'll both be down we'll, there at the same time. <laughs> we'll both be there at the same <laughs> oh, time. Can, yeah, in, in Scottsdale. Yeah. yeah, I got a bachelor party in Scottsdale, and he's got a uh, a friend of ours. Uh, <laughs> a friend of ours is turning forty, and she's having a, uh, a a bunch of her friends fly out to rent a spend a little time out there. Oh so no, kidding! Maybe we'll, maybe we'll cross paths. Maybe we'll have to meet up for a smoke at some time if we can. If he can find some time out of his, uh, I mean, schedule. Sun, and- I got Sunday. I'm. Uh, I have a red eye at twelve o'clock at night, so I have the whole day basically to myself. I'm actually trying to. I don't know if you, uh, if you follow uh, Brendan Tatum on YouTube. He's a big, big. Uh, he was once a cop, and now he's a big political figure on YouTube. But uh, okay, he's a, he follow he follows me on on Instagram, and we talk every now and then. So I've been trying to meet with him in person. So I told him, hey, I'm going to be in Scottsdale. I have Sunday all day to myself. So, hey, if I can get Brandon Tatum and Matt Schneider in one cigar lounge, that's a fucking I mean, good day. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. That would be awesome, man. Let's, let's definitely connect. Let's Absolutely. Sure. Let's definitely do it. I'll have to see um, him. Who, uh, it's for, who, it's for, is it? This is uh, uh, Brandon Tatum. If you're on YouTube or Instagram, it's Brandon Tatum or uh, – Officer Tatum. Officer Tatum. Yeah. Um, he's Officer, really, okay. really popular in the in the political space now. He was, he was, he was born and raised in Arizona. He was a cop. He just came out with a, a book called uh, um, uh, "Black and Blue" or "Beating Black and Blue" or something like that. But uh, he's super mm-hmm. successful. You know, he's uh, he's all over the place and he does a lot of good things. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, we're gonna have to see if we awesome. can uh, see if we can connect. I'll have to. Um, it's for my wife's friend, so I'll have to see if business meeting. Come on, come on. Yeah, you know, but you know, I'm. Get, you got, you, I'm 
I'm there. For, I'm there for, for my wife, so I have to make sure that you know. Listen, honey, it's part of our dreams. Come on. Yeah, you got you to you got to take care of the wife. But then, uh, if there's an opportunity to make this thing a write-off because we talk business, then uh, let's make it a write-off. There you go. That's what I'm talking I about. I mean, baby. you never know. Yeah, exactly. You know, I like. See, <laughs> yeah. I like to see. This is you know, I like. This is why you got to start hanging out more nines and tens. Yeah, see, man. You know? <laughs> I like the way that the nines and tens thing. I yeah. agree, man. I yeah. agree. You got to figure out how we can take off our cigar business. I love it. I love it. Yeah, actually, that that is definitely. Um, uh, like, cause you know, we have our, this, this business, this is, this is the business that yeah. we're ultimately yeah. Yeah. trying to, uh, grow to the fact, to the point where we no longer have to work our, yeah. uh, nine to fives that, wow. you know, just kind of pay the bills at the moment. Uh, totally. so yeah. we'd love to, you know, obviously we appreciate you getting on, on our show and talking with us and we'll have to, you know, take this maybe offline and we'll do talk a little bit more, more business and. But that's that's I would love to connect in in Scottsdale. I yeah. would love to, to yeah, meet man. you in person. If we can do that for sure. That'd be a, that'd be a good opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd right. be super cool. It's, we'll it's make actually, Ray jealous. It's actually yeah, right. It's actually kind of funny because I, uh, I just you know was going to this to Arizona for a a birthday, and uh, he's like, you know, when can we, you know, when can we meet? This so oh, actually, I'm going to Arizona on this week. He goes, wait, when are you going? Said so I'm going this weekend. He goes, I'll be there the same time. I was like, Where's uh, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to Scottsdale. I was like, Well, where are you staying? He goes, I'm staying at this place. His house is like ten minutes up the road from me. Oh no! So shit. now it's that funny. You're awesome. like, Oh yeah, I'm going to be at Arizona. So it must be something in the air that everybody wants to go to Arizona this weekend. But it is. Uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. There, there's something in that 120 degree air that we're all. Oh, I, I, I love Scottsdale. I went there uh, a couple years ago for my bachelor party, and even though it's crazy hot, I mean, it's so much better than New York hot. It was. It's. It's like I don't dry. know, man. 120 hot is hot. Well, <laughs> I mean, we were on the golf course. It was like 108 degrees, and I was like, "This is okay," yeah. but it's a uh, it's a good we'll party get, town. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, man. We'll get um. We'll, if we get together, we'll get Elliot Schwartz. So Elliot Schwartz, he's uh, um, uh, he and his wife, his wife uh, Lindsay Schwartz, he was a keynote at her event, and both of them are just badasses. And, and in fact, we are one of the things that we um, are involved with is they've got a a luxury home equity fund that we are a part of with them. Okay. And uh, th- th- that they're an amazing couple. Now, uh, Lindsay's got her big event, Powerhouse Women event, that my wife and and uh, Bridget um, are headed to. But um, uh, but Elliot, like, we're going to go shooting. We're going to we're gonna go float the river. We're going to do some stuff. So let's, uh, I'd love to get you introduced to him. Yeah, that'd be... He's that'd got be... a podcast, too, you guys would, would, uh, would, uh, would love, called Jack and Happy. Yeah, hell, does he, uh, is he a cigar smoker, too? Uh I'm gonna say yes because he's awesome. <laughs> speaking of that, speaking of that, let's let's get a couple a uh, couple of questions. You know, just around cigars here. Like, you know, why do you like cigars? You know, what got you into it? Well, for, first, first, first off, what do you think of the blueprint? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, okay. it's it's amazing. It's amazing. I don't. I, I mean, I need the link. I need to. I need to get myself a box of three. Well, believe it or not, <laughs> our cigars are sold online in Arizona, and uh, you can for get tax it. purposes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we use this company called FlyingCigars.com, and we like them. Obviously, one because Arizona and the tax, but they donate a portion uh, of their of their profits to uh, veterans. And, I think ten percent of all okay. profits go to all kind of uh, military yeah. background and organizations, which oh, is cool. Right so yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We can send awesome. you the link. So yeah, so Absolutely. how so so how did you get into cigars? I mean, do you remember your first cigar? Do you remember like what you did? Who did somebody introduce you? Did you just pick it up out of a whim? Tell us that story. Yeah, so um, I you know I had a, a buddy that was with the sheriff's office, and he was big into cigars, and and he was talking about 
the you know the 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 art of cigars and um and you know the, the craftsmanship of them and i i found myself being really intrigued by the journey that the you know the tobacco leaves go and 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 you know how how they they come together um from around the world and you know um how you have these 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 uh the history right it's a lot like wine right it's like it's an, it's an art and it's a science mm. and so you know he, the first one i ever had was uh the um the oliva uh yeah and um, great brand we love just, olivas it was a great brand yeah, yeah light light wrapper you know um great direction but i'm like man this is this is fun man you get to like kind of chill out you got to kind of take like a like a like an hour and just kind of hang out and then i went to a cigar shop and i was like Dude, there's some cool people that hang around a cigar shop, man. Like, I was talking to like Vietnam vets, and they're talking about this, this time this thing happened, and yeah. you know, and just like very welcoming and stuff. And um, and it was cool because the, the, the this and he, the guy was from New York, so you'd walk in and you know his, his real thick New York accent. He'd be like, you know, it's over there, and uh, <laughs> you know, he's like and I'm like, well, what do I get? He's like, you know, and so like no time for nothing but like he's playing in solitaire on the computer it was it was awesome but he had this really cool spot where um uh you'd sit down and then his daughter owned the the bar next door and they they put a door in between so you go over there he didn't have a liquor license but she did and what he allowed was that you could go to the, the bar and you could bring one uh into the, the this. so you'd, you'd have some, some some drinks and some cigars you meet some cool people and i'm like this is a cool culture and uh that was man that was over 10 years ago yeah i mean it's it's you meet i mean we say it all the time but you meet some of the best people some of the best conversations i mean look at what we're having right now we get to you know we get to meet you because of cigars yeah we like cigars you like cigars next thing you know we're having a great conversation it's a chain link i mean i mean if you really want to go about it we we got in in uh in front of ray care because he was smoking cigars my buddy was just like oh i saw him on instagram Mm -hmm. smoking cigars reach out to him and then one thing Mm -hmm. led to another but you mean yeah. you meet all different walks of life, you know, whether you're at a party, at a lounge, in a public area smoking cigars, and it doesn't matter, you know, your race, your creed, your background, you know, you're all there for one reason, and everyone has their interesting yeah. story. And like you said, mm-hmm. the community is very welcoming. There's not really too mm-hmm. many communities where you can go into and mm-hmm. go into squeak, and uh, <laughs> you know, you can just feel like you don't even know this person, and you can just open a conversation. You know, we we yeah. use the example all the time of like. If I was like, hey, Matt, come talk to me outside, you'd be like, what the fuck is this guy going to talk to me about? Or, for, mm-hmm. or if I was like, hey, Matt, you want to have a cigar outside? You'd be like, mm-hmm. all right, yeah, I'll yeah. Do that. let's do that. Yeah. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's a very interesting dynamic and it's a very niche industry where a lot of the mm-hmm. people in this industry are just very good people with no real agendas and they just want to sit back, relax, and just enjoy the company that they're with. And you can meet yeah, – can man. talking about hanging out with nines and tens, you can meet some nines and tens in a cigar lounge mm-hmm. and have some yep. – Great business conversations, mm-hmm. you know, with potential business partners over yeah. a cigar, right? I we one yeah. of our local lounges can't tell you how many times you see business deals going down. Mm-hmm. A couple of guys in the yeah. back, they sitting around the table, they're all having a cigar, mm-hmm. they're drawing up their plans, and or even yeah. you know, out on the golf course, you have some executives, you're having a cigar, yeah. you're playing some golf. Yeah. It's you meet a lot of nine and yeah, tens in this culture. You do. In fact, you, you you've had a gal on your show. Her name is Hannah Martinez. And, uh, yeah, yes. you know, um, good looking redhead, yep. uh, her husband is Rojo Corojo, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're in, they're yeah, in, they're exactly. In, they're in, they're, exactly. They're in Idaho. 
Yep, yep. So we, um, Jeff is a black belt at the Jiu Jitsu gym. Oh wow! And uh, and she's she's just recently gotten into it. Her and my wife, they mix it up on a regular basis. She's actually getting ready for her first tournament. No, and, no uh, way. Oh, wow. Yeah. What yeah, a so small world, her. man. Yeah, short, short some love. She's a beast, too. I'll tell you. She is she is a beast. And um, and Jeff is a badass. And he's, he's the GM of, of a cigar shop called The Bolt. Well, the other day, we're, yeah. my wife and I, this like two days ago, uh, we got these badass e-bikes, the Super 73s, like the on-road, off-road, full suspension. And so we just... We live right by the green belt, right on the green belt. And so we will shoot downtown. And anyways, we decided to pop in. And, uh, you know, as soon as we walk in, there's a guy and a super cool dude. He's like, what's going on? And he's sitting at, you know, cornered up on the, on the bar with some guy. He's like, I just met this guy named Jerry. Jerry's got a, a, a doctorate in organizational health and, and uh, conflict resolution. You know, so, you know, to your point about the business conversation. So we grab uh, some um, whistle pig old fashions. Nice. Which uh, the 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 go to um, over there with uh, with the, the stick and um, dude for like an hour and a half I ended up smoking I bought a box of um, uh, the Madrone uh, 1964 anniversaries nice. which are are um, one of my go tos and uh, um, and we just I I went through two of them during this conversation with the four of us and it was awesome I'd never met this guy it was cool and you know. Get get uh, because we're on e bikes. I was able to have, to enjoy some old fashioned with it. <laughs> yeah, man. See, yeah. it's am- it's amazing, yeah. right? How how everything a cigar brings every brings yeah. people together, man. So many stories, you know. It, Love it. It's and I try to compare it to like other industries. Like you, you can't, know, you, you, you can't, can't like. There's no fitness. Like there's nothing in the fitness industry that can people can go meet at gyms and talk about. You know, it's like yeah. A very, it's yeah. Because like for, yeah, to, to that point is you go to a. I mean, the fitness industry is, is, you know, great industry. People trying to build mm-hmm. each other up and everybody's just trying to better themselves mm-hmm. physically um, and mentally. But when you go to a gym, you're not going to the gym to sit down and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. with. You're going to the gym yeah. to work. Yeah. You're going to the Mix gym to yeah, clear yeah. your thoughts. You're going to the gym mm-hmm. to, to build some muscle, to lose some fat, to get better cardio. Mm-hmm. You're not going there to sit down and have a conversation for an hour. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah, totally. You yeah, you want to be left alone right. at the gym. You go to the you go to the scar shop because you want to you want to meet exactly. people, have some cool conversations. Yeah, exactly. Totally. I remember I remember time in the gym. I had a I had my headphones in and it was leg day, and I remember right, I was underneath the bar. I had the bar on my shoulders. I'm ready to take the bar off the rack, and my headphones are in, which is the universal sign. Of don't fucking bother me. Not, okay? not, even, that, yeah. not even that. You got the bar on your shoulders. Lifting. I'm telling you, it right. was in there, right? And, yeah. I, and and this was like a heavy leg day. So now I'm I'm prior to getting under the bar, I'm looking at the bar and I'm taking deep breaths. I'm doing like some of the quick ones, like <laughs> try to really flood your your mm-hmm. your your body with oxygen. And I'm like I'm yelling at myself. I'm getting ready. I get under there. I get the bar on my shoulders, and all of a sudden I feel a tap on my shoulder. Hey, buddy. And the guy comes, he goes, yeah. and I, I instantly just, so I'm like, what? He goes, I wanted to know how many sets you have left. Can I work in? Oh my uh, God. I go, are yep. you? Because now, uh, now I, now I got to yeah. reset. Now I got to reset. Yeah, come I on, said, son. dude, yeah. the, the headphones are in. Don't talk to me, okay? Come on, come on. You couldn't wait yeah. the one minute for me to finish this set, and then I would have yeah. told, yeah, that was my last set. I'm done. Oh. Yeah. But yeah. to your point, yeah. Cigar Lounge, come on, talk to me. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. come Bring sit right on. next to me. Right. Come on. Totally. Yeah, I always like to say, you know, not that I want this, but you could have political debates inside a cigar lounge because there's no, there's no hostility. There's no, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's just conversation A and B, just talking it out. Mm-hmm. And 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 yeah. you know, it kind of goes back to your point of uh, what you had mentioned 
earlier in our conversation where when you feel like your emotions are getting the best of you and you feel yourself getting riled up, you take some big deep breaths and it settles everything down. That's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing about cigars is when you're smoking a cigar, your heart rate is not being elevated. You're not like really breathing. Mm-hmm. You're breathing very slowly. You're mm-hmm. relaxing. You're sitting down and enjoying it. Yeah. So all of the conversations that come out of those situations are just they're flowing. They're casual. Mm-hmm. They're productive. There's no hostility. You're not getting all like agitated. You're relaxed. Mm-hmm. And those mm-hmm. are the best conversations. Like you said, if you ever get into an argument, some of the best things is take that tactical pause, take mm-hmm. a couple deep breaths, reset. But mm-hmm. you're constantly doing that when you're smoking a cigar. Absolutely. You're always taking yeah. deep breaths. and Absolutely. You know what would be cool? You guys have never done this. I would tune in for it for sure. You guys ever had somebody on that did like a pairing, right? Like, uh, you know, there's a whole process that I learned recently from um, my buddy Craig on, uh, you know, how to actually, uh, um, you know, pair a either a bourbon mm-hmm. or you know whiskey or whatever with 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 a cigar, and and that is an art form in and of itself, right? Yes. The, the the whole thing. And if you guys ever had somebody on that um, that like took us through that process, you know, with with like what would pair best with your cigar? You know, the, the, the blueprint, you know, it has this profile and, and so this and this is how you do it. Stuff. I, I was talking to Jeff actually this, this morning after jujitsu. He's like, hey, you want, you want to blow your mind? He's like, get some dark chocolate. He's like, you know, chew it up and then just, just let a little bit sit on the roof of your mouth yeah. and then take a puff of cigar to blow your mind. Yes. I'm like, dude, that's, that, yes. that's awesome. It's a whole, yes. right? it's a whole so, art, man. It's a whole yeah, art. Yeah. I mean, we've done a couple of uh, short videos of the, basics on how to pair right you're you're pairing the bodies right you don't want to like for instance you like those padrones you wouldn't smoke yeah. a padrone if you're having a light beer or you're having a champagne um, you know, or a, a champagne. white wine you'd probably pair that with a bourbon which is why you were drinking yeah. those old fashions right because yeah. the the flavors are very similar but you're right it can go very deep into matching mm-hmm. flavors or for instance like yeah. with food too right i was we were just at a yeah. uh, a restaurant in New Jersey where you can smoke and eat in the restaurant. And if, for instance, you're having a steak, right? The steak that we were smoking our cigar and we were eating steak and the steak was rich, oily, mm. had a little bit of salt on it. You took a bite of that steak and then you took a puff of the cigar and the cigar is kind of peppery, mm. a little bit of mm-hmm. uh, kind of velvety and dry and it cuts right mm-hmm. through that. My stomach's empty. Stop. And we're sitting there. I'm like, wow, this is. This is a nice pairing. They complement each yeah. other. The oils, you get yeah. a little bit of the the pepper. It's just yeah, that'd be cool. I wonder who uh, we can get on. There I wonder if there's somebody that's you know, even if you certified um, in something like have, a mixologist who smokes. You know, they have um, mm-hmm. like even if you want to do on your own leisure, they have like these these um, tasting kits, and you can buy them, mm-hmm. and they'll have like they'll have like it kind of looks like a vitamin tray, and they'll have like mm-hmm. one with cinnamon, one with chocolate, one with nuts, one with cedar, mm-hmm. and when you smoke a cigar, you can kind of. You know, smell the different the different flavors, mm-hmm. and each time you take a puff of the cigar and you smell smell something else, it's a different experience every yeah. single time. It's very it's very bizarre. Yeah, we have well think about. It. We'll talk about this offline, but you know, uh, I'm going to say it here so I get credit uh, when this happens and, and and you guys kill it. But um, put together like a little sampling thing, right? It's got a it's got a blueprint in it. It's got you know some different chocolates in it. It's got some different things that you want to pair, like I don't know, apricots. I don't know. I, I need this because I don't know how to do this shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, and uh, 
you do a webinar, right? So basically you say, Hey, here's the, here's the, the bottle, whatever you go get. And then here's the, the stuff. And then you have somebody on and through a webinar. So they buy the thing. That's where you make a little money. The webinar itself is free. Um, but you bring on somebody cool who could walk people through it and mm. like the order of things and the how and the why you could teach people stuff, uh, that, that, um, they didn't know, like me, I've been doing this for a decade, smoking cigars for a decade. And, and just this morning heard about the chocolate on the roof thing. Um, and uh, I would tune in for that, man. I would, I would, I would buy one of these sample kits and learn from, from somebody that knew how to pair it and, and uh-huh. how to do it and when, and the, and the order of operations of things. And, uh, and then, you know, if there happened to be a promo code in there for a box of cigars, uh, you know, for attending the, um, the webinar, no doubt, maybe maybe a sell a sell box. See, that's a, I'm right. I'm writing all, you guys see the list that I have of, uh, <laughs> of notes here. Hanging out with nine to tens. We have to, that's, that's the, it. These are the ideas we get, baby. This I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it, man. That's that's Appreciate a great. That. Yeah, that's a that's a great. Uh, almost like a class. Like, hey, would you like to mm-hmm. learn a little bit more yeah. about the pairing of cigars? Take this mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. That's cool, yeah. man. Love that. Love that idea. Yeah, man. Appreciate that. Well, listen, Matt. We it's been uh, hour and what are we hour and forty minutes. Uh, we'll probably have to br- have you back on for a part two. Of this, this Let's has been it. this has been fun. We really, really, really do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join us. We've learned a lot about you. Had a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, but thank, thank you again, Matt. We we wish you the best. Uh, this is the time that we give you the red carpet to plug away. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody you know where they can find you, what programs you got, what's coming in the future. The floor is yours. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. You know, uh, first. Thank you for the cigar. It was, it was um, awesome. And uh, paired with the conversation, I can tell you that that, uh, that made that time, that hour and 40 some odd minutes, just, just cruise by. Uh, as far as where to find me, I'm, I'm, I'm on IG primarily. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn if, uh, if you're in that space as well. Um, you're a business owner and you want to, you want to scale to that uh, multiple six figures or seven figures and beyond, uh, check out Ignition Your Coaching. Um, all the links are on my IG and I'm sure it'll be in the show notes as well. And then if you're married, um, there's, there's no reason why you shouldn't be putting in the effort into becoming the best version of yourself, uh, while your spouse does the same and then leveling up together. And the Mbutu community is a community full of nines and tens people who are, who are unsatisfied with what is and, um, and realize that, um, the, the best is always yet to come. And, you know, the power of proximity is very, very true. And when you surround yourself around others who are high achievers, high thinkers, high doers, um, doors open that you, you don't even realize are possible. And that's what's going on in Ubuntu. And uh, all that stuff can be found in um, in uh, the link on my IG or, again, I'm sure probably be in the show notes. Yeah, as well. we'll put the we'll put the links in, the, in all the descriptions for sure so people can check it out easily. But, uh, Matt, we yeah. appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on. Hopefully we can uh, try and meet up in a couple of weeks or next week when we're in uh, Arizona. But yeah. uh, we'll uh, we'll leave awesome. you off with our signature goodbye. It is on our T-shirt now. It's uh, we like to say cheers, chin chin, salute. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, guys. All right, Thank Matt. you. Be good. Appreciate it, brother.